Today on the podcast, we have a fun guest interview with Enneagram with Emily. Emily is an Enneagram coach in Atlanta, Georgia, and she comes on the podcast today to talk about how knowing your Enneagram number can help you survive the holidays. Because as I know firsthand, when you learn the Enneagram, you increase your compassion for others and also decrease your frustration with both others and with yourself. It's a great tool for understanding your core motivations. As a reminder, you can find all the show notes for this episode at our sponsored blog, badtothebull.com forward slash six. Stick around to the end of the episode and you'll learn how you can book your own 20-minute free session with Emily to learn more about your Enneagram number. Hello, and welcome to the Bull of Life podcast with your hosts, Joe and Sarah Hayes. We are so glad you are here with us today talking about food, faith, and family, and how each of those topics impact our everyday life. The purpose of this podcast is to provide you with the inspiration to live your life more abundantly. On this podcast, we will talk openly about what we consume, whether that means what goes on our plate and in our mouths, or what we see, hear, and listen to, and how that can change our mindset for the day. We truly believe life is a journey, and that is full of lessons for each and every one of us to apply if we can get quiet and listen. We are so glad we get to experience this life journey together with you. So hey, go grab a spoon or a fork and let's go. Hello, and welcome once again to the Bowl of Life podcast. Today, I'm so excited to have Emily Wingfield from Enneagram with Emily on the podcast. I first got to know Emily through doing some freelance marketing work, but little did I know from that job that I would be the one to walk away being helped. It's true. If you are familiar with the Enneagram, you know what I'm talking about. It's a powerful tool for not only understanding yourself, but also understanding those around you. And if you don't know about the Enneagram yet, Emily is going to tell us about a free 20-minute session that you can book with her, so you'll want to sign up for that pronto to learn more about the Enneagram. But enough about my experience with the Enneagram. Let's talk to our expert and learn more about how the Enneagram can help you survive this upcoming holiday season when it comes to food, faith, family, and all that good stuff. So welcome, Emily. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how long you have been teaching the Enneagram. Hey there. Yes. I have been uh, fascinated with the Enneagram for over five years and I've been teaching it for the last three and it has just had such a profound effect on my life and then had a ripple effect out into my family. And uh, it just, the tagline for my business is that learning the Enneagram will increase your compassion, decrease your frustration and improve your relationships. Uh, I'm down here in Atlanta, Georgia with a husband and two boys, an 11-year-old and an 8-year-old. Oh, wow. I love that tagline as well because we live in a world that needs more compassion for sure, especially if anything about this past year has told us we just, we need that. We need to decrease our frustration, understand ourselves better, and have just more compassion radiating out from us to others. Oh, yeah. Because if we don't, yeah, can you imagine? But not only holidays are normally stressful, but then COVID holidays after an election. Oh, my gosh. Yes, we need, we need more compassion and to understand how other people see things. Right, right. And I am so curious too, like you, you mentioned, like COVID's during the holidays, like this should be just an interesting year, whether you like meet in person or if your family is like maybe meeting over Zoom. I don't know if that will be a thing during the holidays, but even if you like, I don't know, like I feel like there's going to be a lot of emotions that come up this year, whether you're talking about like health or whether you're talking about the pandemic and what your view is or mask wearing or who you voted for, which I always try to avoid a talk of politics at holidays, but I think this year is going to be just unavoidable. But the Enneagram can help us and it can help us, you know, just figure out how to be more compassionate with maybe some words or some talk that's being like talked about at the holiday table. And I once heard you describe a holiday situation and it's always stuck with me. 
you mentioned about family gatherings and relatives behaving in certain ways. And you started to turn your thinking into, well, Aunt Martha, well, she's just doing her part because of her Enneagram motivations. And that's always stuck with me because it's kind of you know, a good way to look at it. Like everybody has these different motivations that they're bringing to the table. There are different motivations. They're our own. And if we look at it, reframe it as everyone's just doing their part, we can start to, you know, understand it a little bit better and understand them a little bit better. And so let's dive into that. Let's dive into the Enneagram numbers for those that are new to the Enneagram and what their priority is, and especially what their priority may be around the holidays? Such a great question. Yes, so true. Because the idea behind the Enneagram is that there are actually kind of nine different ways to see the world, and it all is based on our motivations. So we see people's behaviors, and you think, oh, well, that's their behavior, but it's their we do our behaviors because of our motivations that are kind of beneath the surface. And and I know many people will be shocked to they or might not agree with this, but really we're the majority of us really are doing the best we can. We are all trying to do the best we can. It's just that we have different motivations. And so how we think the best is is different than how someone else thinks the best is. And that's where uh Sometimes the conflict can happen, but if we can understand, oh, they're just seeing the world differently than I am and um, based on their motivations, okay, that that at least helps me a little, it helps decrease my frustration a little bit. So it's all about uh, people's motivations and we'll just start going around the circle as we say, is that um, Enneagram ones are called the improvers and they just, they see ways to improve things. Sometimes they're called the perfectionist and they just want to do the right thing. They have um, high values, morals, and ethics. And so oftentimes at the holidays, they might be wanting to do the holidays the right way of they have an ideal and they want it to be up to that ideal. So uh, for Enneagram ones as to try to grow through that might be to realize, okay, wait, where are my ideals? And then where's reality? What it, you know, life is not a Budweiser commercial with the horse drawn carriage, you know, prancing through the snow. There's going to be, you know, a stain on the tablecloth. Maybe not everything's going to get ironed or everything's going to be great. So something for ones to think about is when do I hear should? Because when I hear should, that's a standard I'm putting out there that perhaps is not everyone else's standard of this is what we should do. Well, is that really everyone's agreed upon standard or is that my standard? And it's hard, especially for women who I I feel like often the holidays fall to women. And so there are a lot of shoulds. But that's kind of one of the things is you can sit down ahead of time and reevaluate with your family you know, what are our traditions and which of those do we want to keep and which ones do we not need to do? Uh, I, I worked through this with some other groups last year and, you know, one person in the group said, oh, we love decorating the tree. That's the highlight of our Christmas. And another person said, you know what? I hate decorating the tree with my kids. It's, it's no, and, and they were able to each two separate couples were able to go back and talk to their families. And one decided that, decorating the tree was going to be their family priority. And the other decided, you know what? We're just buying an artificial tree with pre-lit lights and we're not doing ornaments because that's not important to us. Something else was more important to them. Yeah. And I think especially this year, this really, I think, will come into play because we might be doing some other, like, or getting rid of some shoulds, right? Because things are different this year. And so- like for a one, that's going to be pretty hard to maybe not have the big family gathering because that's the way they've always done it. Or exactly. to not have like a picture perfect table with 15 people because no one can come because of, you know, different uh, worries and such. So that's so relevant right now to, to keep in mind. Exactly. Yes. So true. Well, and moving on to Enneagram twos, they are called, um, 
the befrienders or the helpers, they're very warm and caring and giving. And so the holidays, it sounds like, oh, well, that's perfect for them. But that's actually also what makes it so hard for them is they naturally are very giving and helping and loving. But that means that often they get they end up doing everything, which then leads to resentment. And um, sometimes this can even come out in their bodies of, you know, IBS or headaches or uh, just all, you know, how pressure cooks up in our bodies sometimes. And so part of it for them is actually not taking on everything. It's growing healthier boundaries to be able to say, okay, this is what I can do. And then this is what I, if any... If this is important to anyone else, then they're welcome to do it. But I'm not going to be doing that part this year, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And that's, uh, you know, as, you know, and I'm not a helper, but, you know, I think we all know those people that are just getting over-involved in everything. And, you know, that is a worry, you know, they're just going to come to Christmas and it's going to just crash because they're so tired from all the helping that they've been doing and all the you know, giving of themselves. And I don't think anybody wants to reach Christmas and be burnt out. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. So, so true. And because they, it seems like they're just doing it happily. It's, it is important to really say, no, I want to pitch in. If you're not an Enneagram too, to say, I want to pitch in, how can I help? And, or almost jump in and say, you know what, I'd like to just go on and sign up to bring dessert and the centerpiece. Can I go on and just do that? And that might be something that helps them because it's very hard for Enneagram twos to ask for help. That's, that's, it's very challenging. So don't, don't leave it on them to say, well, what can I do to help? Cause it's, they're going to say, no, nothing. I've got it under control. So you might almost need to lovingly push and say, no, I really want to be a part of this. I'd like, can you please assign me two things? Cause I'd really like to do them. Okay, so they might be the ones maybe having done all the cooking and now they're cleaning up the kitchen and feeling a little resentful that no one's in there helping them and everyone's out playing games and watching football. Exactly. Yes, twos do have uh, some martyring within them. And so um, that's that's something to be <laughs> keep an eye out for if you are an Enneagram 2 or in, in a relationship with an Enneagram 2. Awesome. Such good tips. Such good tips. So tell me about Enneagram 3. Yes. So Enneagram 3s are known as the performers or they um, they are more aware of their image towards others. They are motivated by achievement, recognition, perhaps sometimes goals or titles or money, but it's really they're success oriented. They are wired for productivity and for efficiency and they want to be successful. So sometimes the challenge for that within uh, the holidays is that they, because they want to be successful, they might not be talking about their not successful emotions. So they might not talk about frustration or overwhelm. And so actually, if you're friends or in a relationship with a three, you might be thinking, gosh, they just have it all together and I'm just a hot mess. Well, it's because they're not going to tell you if they're a hot mess because they want to be seen as a success. Um, so that's just, that's something, you know, I, I work with a lot of women and often they say, you know, so-and-so just seems to have it all together. Well, and I think, well, it's probably just, she doesn't, no one has it all together. She looks like she has it all together because she's never going to tell you if she doesn't have it all together because that might not be seen as successful. So, um, but ironically, the other side of that is that when threes can become more truthful and honest about, man, things are hard. They won't actually be seen as a failure. Instead, they're actually becoming more connected to those that they are in relationship with so that they can, others could say, oh, it's been hard for me too. Yeah, this is a tough time. And that honesty actually creates more of a connection than just being seen as a success. Ah, yes, yes. I, uh, I have sister-in-laws that are Enneagrams three and always I'm like, wow, you just, you look perfect. Like your house is perfect. Your clothes are perfect. Like what's going on? So yeah, that is so helpful to keep it for myself, especially to keep that in mind. <laughs> yes. Oh no. It's, it's really hard because, and if it almost helps, they're kind of 
could be at times almost fibbing to themselves as well. Like they just feel such pressure to, to keep up um, that external appearance of competency and efficiency. Um, and they really can get a lot done, but I mean, let's face it. I do not think I've not met one person during 2020 that is doing great. Like it's just right. hard for everyone. So that <laughs> this is a great opportunity to talk about how 2020 is challenging because no one would think you're a failure for talking about how hard all of this is because it's just a really, really hard time. Right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So yeah. So moving on. So Enneagram 4. Yeah. So they're called the romantics or the individualist and they have a deep desire to experience the depth of life and see what's special or unique that has meaning and deep purpose. They're creative and sensitive, but they can also have melancholy and and they're comfortable with melancholy. So the good and bad thing about the holidays is that, as we all know, holidays bring up a lot of feelings, but sometimes because fours are so comfortable with melancholy, they might let themselves get carried away by the longing they feel around the holidays of what if, what if this hadn't happened in my childhood? Maybe the holidays would be as sweet as they are for my neighbor or kind of longing how they see other people to have a picture perfect life, which again, as we know, no one has a picture perfect life, but man, when we get those Christmas cards, it sure does seem like everyone else has a picture perfect life. Oh, right. Yeah. Those beautiful pictures that, you know, you know, we're photographs, you know, photography, our professional photography is taken. And then you think, oh, man, I just want that Hallmark holiday and probably watching a lot of holiday movies that are kind of sappy and Hallmarky may not be a good thing for Enneagram 4. So true. So true. And so interesting, the to counter that is actually to just really have gratitude for where you are because Enneagram fours have a comparing mind. And so sometimes when I give that as an assignment, they'll say, well, I am thankful for my situation because I don't, because I am am living a more comfortable life than that person. And so this is the trick. It's not gratitude in comparison to someone else. It is just simply gratitude for what is happening in your life. So not comparing to feel better, but just pure gratitude just for where you are and what you have in life. Um, and that, that can help kind of ground you in, okay, not everyone else has it better or worse than me. They just have their life and I have mine. And um, that can kind of help bring things back to center a little bit. Oh, that's such a good, I think that kind of can apply to anybody at the holidays. Honestly, we all, I think it kind of caught up in, you know, the pictures that, oh, you want it to be Hallmark versus Griswold's, but in reality, it's more Griswoldy for all of us. (laughs) You know, what's so funny is, I mean, I teach this stuff for a living. I get to hear people's inner secrets and worlds and everything in my one-on-one sessions. And yet I still fall into this trap as well, because you see those pictures and it just, everybody looks like they have it together. And so I often, especially during the holidays, have to remind myself, Emily, you know, that everyone has a story. Everyone has a secret. Everyone has sadness and regret and shame and frustration in their lives. But it's hard because during Christmas, it it's sure does seem like everybody else has it more together. Right. Yeah. No one else, no one else sees the 50 outtake photos that were bloopers <laughs> or the cookies that were burnt because you forgot they were in the oven. <laughs> Just you know, Ex- the ones that you delivered to them that tasted great or, you know, that type of thing. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So, so true. So yeah, giving us uh, ourselves a lot of grace during this time is always a good one. Definitely, for sure. So tell me about Enneagram 5, because I'm so interested in this. I'm married to an Enneagram 5. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, so they, and, and actually, I'd, I'd love to hear your sharing of this. So they're kind of known as the investigators. They just have a deep uh, yearning for knowledge and data and learning, and they want to become masters of information in whatever they are interested in. So it doesn't have to be on masters of information of everything, but just whatever they're interested in. And they can hoard things, not in a selfish way, but 
They hoard anything that could um, they could run out of. So time, money, energy, love. And yet, what do the holidays require of people? Going, doing, spending, being together, giving. So this could be a very challenging time for fives because they're thinking you're trying other people are just trying to take all of my resources. And so all I want to do is hoard and keep all of my resources to make sure I never run out. Uh, does that resonate for you with your husband? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's more just kind of, you know, I think we were talking, well, this is for example, we were talking just recently and we're like, okay, so there might be a birthday party situation with the same family the weekend before we have Thanksgiving with the same family. And we're like, oh, oh. <laughs> we're like, oh, wow, that's a lot of the same stuff, family. <laughs> and so, you know, like he's trying to devise plans like, well, what can we do differently? You know, like, do we really want to do that? And yeah, so that's been a lot of discussion actually in our house right now. <laughs> and it's so good. I love that y'all are discussing that ahead of time and that you're open. Like he's already noticing, okay, wait, that makes me nervous to think of that much. That's a lot of family time. That's a lot of my resources of time and energy. And so, you know, a lot of people that are married to fives have learned over time to always take two cars because often, you know, there's one spouse that wants to stay at the party longer and the five has a limited amount of time they want to stay. And then they just go home in their car and the spouse goes home in the, their car and then it works out for everyone. Um, or, you know, Our sometimes can take a nap at the drop of a hat and then just look like he's like falling asleep to football or something. So he can zone out. <laughs> I love it. I have heard Enneagram fives of course say that their favorite room in the house is the bathroom because that's where they can finally go and just shut the door and no one bothers them. And especially in a party situation of they just go to the bathroom a lot just to be able to close the door and like kind of re recenter themselves. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm interested too. So does this convert into also Enneagram fives having like the extras of everything? Because I swear we are prepared, not only at the holidays, but any time of year, like we have like the extra batteries for all the Christmassy stuff that needs lights. And, and I don't know where this stuff comes, comes from. It just like appears out of cabinets, out of the garage. And I'm like, where, where was this? <laughs> It's like we have extras of everything. <laughs> that is so funny. That can be definitely a five thing. It's also, there's also this other fascinating part of the Enneagram called the instincts. And so that could kind of be a self-preservation instinct as well of just making sure that he has all the necessary things to, to stay comfortable with in life. But that definitely is also some five stuff of um, just making sure you don't need to be on, rely, you don't need to rely on anyone else for your needs, uh, which they may, that's a wonderful neighbor. If, if he's the, if you have your next door neighbors run out of things, they know they can always knock on your door. It sounds like. Oh yeah, for sure. And, uh, we have the, the garage full of, and, and honestly, it's not like a clutter or anything. It's very cleverly put away that I'm also in. And it's often that uh, Joe's like, Okay, but now see, we needed this. This is why I kept it. And we needed those five chargers. Now they're came in handy. And I'm like, oh, okay, I guess, sure. <laughs> That's funny. Yes. Uh, well, and so the good thing for fives is to, if you're in a relationship with a five, uh, you know, try to not intrude upon their space or their time because they are just going to need some space and time, especially in the midst of holidays. And if you're, chatting with a five, really, if they might seem aloof sometimes, but it's because they have great radars of, do you actually really care or are you just chit-chatting? So if if they can tell that you really do care and you really are interested in something that they are interested in or their project, well, fi- ironically, sometimes then you can't get them to be quiet because they can talk so much about, you know, a pet project. Uh, but But that's a thoughtful thing you could do around fives is to really ask about a topic or actually look to them for knowledge and say, you know, I've always wondered, do you happen to know the history of, or, or something that you think they might really have a knowledge of? And then they, that's a, it's great to be on something that they feel very knowledgeable about. 
Oh, that's such good advice. Yeah. So just, yeah, when you're with an Enneagram 5 or someone who thinks an Enneagram 5, um, d- dive deep into maybe a topic that they, you know, don't mind talking about and you don't mind listening to. You know, I would <laughs> definitely advise that as the person who's the listener, my, you know, be mindful that this is a topic that you're not going to zone out. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So true. Yeah. Oh, and then okay. Enneagram 6s are called... Um, the loyalist or the loyal skeptics or the questioners. And so as you can tell in all of these uh, titles, they are very loyal. And so they make wonderful friends, but they're also questioners. So they have a lot of questions because their goal in life is to feel, have safety and security. And so, and what the way they often think about the way they try to get their safety and security is by being loyal and dutiful. So the sixes are often thinking about their duty. So they, they're they not even quite thinking of, not always thinking of the joy of Christmas, but much more, what's my duty? What is my, what is mine to do as the mom? This is, I'm the daughter-in-law. This is what I should be doing. This is what daughter-in-laws do. And so it's wonderful because they are, you know, very, loving and kind and generous and, and great family members, but it can sometimes feel like the burden of duty versus the joy of Christmas. And so, cause what more than anything, what they're trying to do is feel safe and accepted. But the problem is the holidays don't feel safe because, you know, you might be spending money you don't have. You don't know if everyone's going to be on their best behavior at the party. And so you're Sixes are constantly scanning for danger of what could be a bad situation, where whether it's true safety, like, oh, we shouldn't have this many candles on because that could lead to a fire, or other safety, like, oh, gosh, when Uncle Dan drinks too much, then he brings up politics, and then that's, you know, just all the ripple effects of those types of things. And so sixes can spend their holidays scanning for danger of, you know, what could possibly go wrong. And so that can feel really exhausting to them. Oh yeah. Cause I mean, gosh, like we just talked about earlier, especially this year, there's going to be, someone's going to, it's going to be inevitable. You know, you're going to, someone's going to bring up something that's a little touchy you know, not maybe, you know, COVID, elections, Black Lives Matter. I mean, yeah, this is all going on and someone's going to bring it up. It's going to be inevitable. So how is the sixth, you know, if someone were to say that, like how, how would they handle that then? What would be some advice on that end? Well, and that's the interesting part about sixes is they have, uh, within this type, you could meet such a wide variety of personalities that they might all identify as an Enneagram six, and yet there's a wide variation within them. So some of them will be quiet, you know, if, if, if a, a political topic comes up, some might be quiet. And then later behind the scenes, you know, they let their opinion be known to their spouse. Other ones, if they, um, feel like, you know, it was whatever the person said was wrong, they might kind of, uh, go toe to toe with them because that that's more something called the counterphobic six, which, um, if they, anyways, they, they might, uh, confront the issue or injustice. And so you're never quite sure which way a six might go with these kinds of things. Um, but so I would recommend, I mean, this is just for all types, just try to avoid politics. I know that's going to be the hardest thing in the world to do, but it's, it's not going to go well. It's not going to go well for anyone because even if say, everyone thinks the entire family is conservative or liberal, there's still a wide variety of opinions within either party or political leaning. And there's, you're just going to step on somebody's toes. If you bring it up is my, that's my opinion. (laughs) So maybe the Enneagram ones can be prepared since they're the perfectionists. Maybe they can be prepared with some additional holiday topics to talk about at the table, (laughs) maybe in their back pocket. not literally in their pocket, but they have some ideas thought of that are lighthearted and, um, you know, that type of situation. And I will say, um, 
my sister-in-law is an Enneagram three. She's very good at kind of diverting that back to, you know, those holiday topics to lighter topics of like, hey, about what you did growing up when it snowed or, hey, you know, and you're like, oh, well, that's fun to talk about, you know, or tell me about, did you guys Black Friday shop? You know, how did you do that? You know, and so I think, you know, any of those type of lighter things are always like, funner to talk about. No one really wants to get into de- to a defensive argument at the holidays. I don't think it just, it happens, but I don't think any of us really want that. Exactly. And you know, this, that's a great point to bring up that for all people, if you need to excuse yourself and go walk outside, that is totally acceptable. It, it takes two people to fight about something. You do not have to stay in the fight. And yeah, it's going to be awkward, but I mean, let's face it, if you're already in a heated discussion about politics, it's already awkward for everybody. And so you might, yes, you can draw good boundaries and say, I don't want to discuss politics at Christmas. And then it comes up and you, you have two legs, you can, and you're an adult, you can say, I'm going to excuse myself, or you don't even have to say it. You just excuse yourself, step outside and walk around for a while. And it just always remember Every person has a choice and it, it might be, it might feel like to you two bad choices. It, it might not, it's like, well, I, I make it awkward by standing up and walking away or I make it awkward by staying in the conversation, but, it, but you do have a choice in these kinds of things. And uh, I mean, that's a really challenging thought to get through even my own head sometimes. Cause it's like, well, these don't even feel like good choices, but um, just kind of think ahead and sometimes play out some scenarios. Of, okay, if it goes this way, then I feel prepared to do what it takes for me to, you know, to save my own sanity or to save a relationship. Because um, also, we're not going to change anyone's mind over Christmas. Like, no one is going to oh, change yeah. anyone's mind politically. We've all already voted by them. You mentioned the threes, which are great, but especially the sevens. Oh man, they are called the enthusiasts. And sevens are wonderful because they their motivation is fun, creativity, opportunities, adventure, because the real thing behind all of that is that they want to avoid negative emotions. So oh. um, the good thing is they kind of might be willing to happy to be the entertainers or fun and spontaneous and you know, often have a good joke or put on good music. Perhaps though, the one problem though is sevens do not like to make commitments because they want to leave every opportunity available. They want to leave all openings available for whatever is the most fun opportunity. It is a perfect example of how you could really, people could get their feelings hurt when somebody changes their plans at the last minute. But if you know that they're an Enneagram seven and you realize it's just really this is kind of how they're wired. And the, the beautiful thing about the Enneagram and what I'm working with people is if we know that person's type, so for instance, Sarah, if, if us knowing your type, and then you get frustrated by someone else and what their core motivation is, I can reverse it back to your motivation of, well, it's the uh, how a seven feels uh, being having to stick with an exact plan is the exact same way you feel when you feel like someone else is controlling and you don't like being controlled. And that often gives people an aha moment of, oh yeah, that does drive me crazy. So wait, they get driven as crazy by this other thing as I do about my thing. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So what if the Enneagram 7 is the host? Like any advice there? Yeah. Um, I would think it would just be pretty fun and pretty laid back in a nice, fun, laid back way. Uh, or do you, do you feel like you might know an Enneagram 7 that's the host? Oh, um, no, but I'm just thinking in my head, like, man, that would be a fun house to go to for the holidays. Yeah. <laughs> so hey, any, any yeah. Enneagram 7s out there want to invite me over? That sounds like a fun time for the holidays. Lots exactly. Of games that's the house I would like to beat it. Yeah, yeah maybe so true. Grizzle. I wonder if he was an Enneagram 7 with all his shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, this is a good segue to eight, or Enneagram 8, who are often called the challengers or... Uh, the boss or the leader. And so their uh, motivation is uh, to be in control of a situation. And it's not that they always have to be in control. They just don't want someone else to control them. So as long as 
someone else can be in control as long as the other person's control doesn't tread into their lives. Um, they uh, can be commanding. They can be confrontational at times. So it's something for them to be aware of because obviously, as we've already said, the holidays can be, could lead to a confrontational time. Uh, so just kind of try to, if you are an eight, notice what you do try to want to be in control of. And then notice sometimes eights can be a little bit sensitive to the fact that they think someone else is trying to control them when they really aren't doing that. So kind of notice your awareness of it, they're, they're trying to control this situation. Well, are they really, or are they just, they're just trying to come up with a plan. Does that resonate with you at all? Yeah, yeah. Just thinking over the last few holidays, I think it's more the like when I don't know how to plan, I think, or if something's thrown in my face at the last minute, like, oh, suddenly the kids are going to be putting on a Christmas pageant at our house for the holidays. And I'm like, what? I didn't know about this until today. Like, what is going on? This was not the plan. I had no clue. <laughs> or, you know, just oh, not yeah. knowing what gonna stay you know and so on one hand you know you're thinking okay you'll be here for one overnight and then I'm gonna get cleaning done tomorrow and get this other stuff done and then they're like well we weren't thinking of leaving until Saturday and all of a sudden it's like oh no (laughs) so that is so hard yeah, those are like challenges, I think, where suddenly I feel like, okay, there's no, like, I have no control over this situation. I don't know how anything's going to go. Now, like, everything's different. Or um, I will say this year, looking at the holidays, um, I I had to step in a few years ago and start hosting our holidays at Thanksgiving. And as an Enneagram 8, you know, secretly, I was like, yay, I get to kind of control everything that we're going to eat. And not like in a controlling way, but like what control other people going to eat. But like, yeah, I'm going to make everything that I want to eat. <laughs> and, uh-huh. so, and so this year, it's, that's not the case. And I'm already kind of freaking out a little bit about it. So like, well, maybe I should just host it for the like maybe two people that might come. And then I'm like, I'm not going to make a holiday dinner for only two other people. <laughs> and so it's a really big internal fight that's like, oh, yay. Like I was able to, you know, kind of control this thanksgiving situation and now it's kind of out of my hands and it seems trivial and that's what i keep telling myself like honestly Sarah, we're all gonna get the food that we're gonna eat like it's fine (laughs) but at the same time i think it just goes back to that core motivation of mine of like oh but now like this is out of my control and i don't know how it's gonna happen (laughs) yeah when that brings up i mean those are very real feelings that it brings up of and I think especially as the mom of, okay, wait, how are we going to get all this? Because everybody maybe doesn't want to make a plan or it changes around, but then it still, fa- you know, on Thanksgiving Day or Christmas Day, they look to you and go, well, what are we going to eat? And, you know, those that can be tough. That can be really, really tough. Um, well, and if we have learned anything through COVID, it is that our sense of control is completely false. So, you know, it's it's good to notice, okay, what do we have control of? and then what do we have to try to stay flexible about? Which, which is just, it is a very, very challenging thing on that. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think I always um, hear you in the back of my head, Emily, you once said that expectations can breed resentment. Uh And I had that on repeat on the back of my mind and it has helped so much. Like, just thinking back over the last few months, different things. Like, cause you, it's true. This year you cannot plan. You think, okay, my kids are going to go to school today. And then, so you plan out your day. Like, yes, they're out of the house. And then you're going to email the night before. Well, this teacher has to be in quarantine. And you're like, what? No, it's not what I expected. <laughs> so, so true. Yes, you're exactly right. Uh, in some of my holiday preparation things that I've done in the past, what I like to do when I'm doing a workshop with people is say, okay, write down your top three, like, goals or desires of the holiday season. And it's more specific ones. Like we uh, get to go see the holiday lights. We have grandma's dressing on Christmas day or, or whatever. And then we jokingly say, 
go on and so write down three, your top three ones, and then go on and cross off two of them because there's only a slim chance you're even going to get one of them because just how life happens. But it actually does help to realize, oh, wow, I didn't quite realize, but that was a big thing for me that just kind of was swirling around in my thoughts. And I kind of just assumed that that was going to happen. And so when I've written it down and taken the time to be like, so like, for instance, for you with Thanksgiving, let's say Thanksgiving of, is it that you want to have your special food or is it, well, you know what? I don't, as long as I get fed on Thanksgiving, you know, according to kind of plant-based vegan things that support my values, you know, maybe the four of us, my my family of four, the next day, I make what I wanted us to have. So, so it's kind of, it, it's figuring out where you can compromise a little bit, that it, it doesn't all have to be on that day at that moment for some all of your right. goals. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, anybody, this is good. That's a good exercise. And, um, you know, write those things down, especially this year, because whereas we do say, hey, 2020 has taught us to be flexible, we're we're going into some major holidays. And we all have traditions and we all have things that we like to do. And some of those things may not happen this year. And I think, you know, starting to write that down and come to terms with it is going to make it more peaceful holiday season for, for us all, if, even if it's just internally peace. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, talking about peace is the perfect segue to the last Enneagram type, which is also mine, which is called the peacemaker. And what we oh. want in life, our, our motivations are really peace and harmony. We want to get along. We, we, our biggest fear is conflict. And it's really because conflict makes us feel separated from other people. So it's not just that we hate a fight or any type of disagreement. It's that we hate feeling separated from others. And so um, we just don't want anything that leads to conflict. And as we've been talking about a lot, there can be just some conflict or some differing of opinions even. And we just kind of want everybody to get along. And so what nines sometimes do is we're trying to merge with so many other people's agendas that all of a sudden we don't even know what our plan or desire really is. So I encourage Enneagram nines to kind of step back and on their own without other people around because they will merge with other people's ideas to really think like, okay, what are the things I love most about Thanksgiving or Christmas? And what is maybe one of those that I could go on and state to my family? Like, it's really important for me that this Thanksgiving, if it's nice out, we all take a family walk together. That would make, I would, that's what I would love for this. Um, and so that's one. And also to be aware of as a nine, because we can get so overwhelmed by everyone else's agendas and desires and opinions that often we can kind of shut down Now this, this, this either means kind of like your husband of taking a nap or pretending to take a nap in the middle of things, or it can just mean we zone out and we kind of sleepwalk through the holidays. So we're there, but we're not really engaged. We're kind of walking through on automatic pilot. And so the goal is to notice what we do want and try to have our opinion heard a little bit on things that really do matter to us. Oh yeah, that that's a good one. Because I don't think anybody feels great after the holidays if they realize, well, I, I didn't really enjoy any part of it. <laughs> you know, that exactly. that makes me feel bad. Like if someone were to be like, I just like walk through it and I didn't really care, you know, just like well, that's I don't know. That makes me feel sad <laughs> just to hear that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, uh Suzanne Stabile, who's written a book that I used to teach uh, called The Road Back to You has a great point that she says she feels like 60% of the time nines really don't care. Meaning they don't really have an opinion. They're fine to go wherever for dinner. They're fine to do whatever, but 40% of the time they really do care about things. And if you don't listen to their opinion in that 40%, then they start to get resentful and then passive aggressive. It's because they want their opinion. They want to get their way sometimes. And if, if it, doesn't happen overtly, then it happen. If it doesn't happen aggressively, it happens in a passive aggressive way. So they might just be real stubborn or they just figure out a way to get what they want without 
overtly saying it. So as they can grow healthier and say, you know what, this is one of those 40% times, this really is important to me, then that leads to healthier relationships. Because people do want to hear what nines have to say. It's uh, Sometimes for nines, we, we've told ourselves that other people don't want to hear what we have to say, but that's not the truth. That's just the message we've told ourselves. Mm. So as a nine, could it get to maybe the end of Christmas Day and maybe you hadn't voiced the things that you wanted to do and suddenly it just like all comes out like, and everyone's like, whoa, where did this come from? Yes, yes, yes. So that's that's exactly it, which is partly why I have actually done so much work around the holidays and, you know, becoming self-aware and Enneagram work and also just an overarching one year I read, I, I had had so many bad Christmases in a row that I bought this book called Unplug the Christmas Machine. And it was from oh. the 1980s, but it's still applicable today of, you know, just talking about all these, it's really just taking the time before the holidays to make priorities, uh, to make your priorities and your family values so that you don't get to the end of the holidays and say, oh my gosh, this was just like a runaway train. I don't, we just went on automatic pilot. I don't even, we we don't even know why we did what we did. We just did it because it's tradition. So if you take the yeah. time ahead of time to evaluate those values and beliefs and traditions and then choose which ones really mean the most, then you, you have a more enjoyable holiday season. Oh, that's such good advice. And I think if any year is the year to evaluate those things, it's this year when things are already a little untraditional that you can kind of get down to what matters. And I love your advice of writing down the three things that matter at the holidays and then crossing off you. Um, because, you know, <laughs> know like I think each of us are you know we're visually kind of and writing things down like cements it in our mind and if you like physically cross off two of them your mind is kind of telling yourself okay if we do this one thing it's going to be amazing and I think for the mindset um that is really good (laughs) yes yes and hopefully the other two will happen but it is and the part of the other challenge of the holidays is there's so many amazing things to do so yeah. It's it, it you're never going to be able to do all of them. And so really just saying what are our values and what are the things the kids will really remember versus what we should do because it feels right. like that's the pressure. It's all such great stuff. This is so great information. So are new to the Enneagram, you might be feeling maybe a little overwhelmed. Like, what was that number? I, I don't like what's going on here, but maybe you resonated with like, oh yeah, I, I'm that perfectionist or I'm that, you know, loyalist or, oh, I'm that peacemaker. And I've never really spoke up about what I wanted. So if you had any of those like, aha type of moments, Oh, man, that's the power of the Enneagram, and you need to get in touch with Emily. Figure out those core motivations as you go into the holiday season, and this is applicable any time of year, so just not the holiday season, but it's just such an emotionally charged season that I think really, you know, thinking those kind of internal processes and what's my motivation here and how can I, you know, respond to others more kindly and compassionately, it's just going to do everybody a world of good this holiday season. So Emily, give us all the details on where to find you and quick tell us a little bit more about that 20-minute session as well that you're offering, that free 20-minute session. Yes, definitely. So my website is enneagramwithemily.com and I'm going to spell it for you because I know it's a funny sounding word. E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M with emily.com and I'm on Instagram and Facebook. I post to Instagram every day, Facebook almost every day, but Instagram's my favorite social media platform. And what I have started to do is these, cause I, I understand this is a little, you know, new to some people and it, it's hard to go on and sign up for a one hour session learning about the Enneagram. So 
I've started to do these free 20-minute sessions where people can just ask me any question they have. We can just talk. They can understand my teaching style. I get to know their story a little bit more. And I explain how my one-hour sessions go because what I've really started to do, especially since COVID, I used to teach in-person classes, but obviously after COVID, everything has gone to Zoom. And now I teach one-on-one Zoom sessions. I have one-on-one Zoom sessions with people and I meet people wherever they are in life. So meaning if they don't even know how to pronounce the word Enneagram, we can start from there. If they call me and say, oh, I totally know I am an Enneagram six and my husband is an Enneagram four and this is our situation, then we can just dive in right there. And there are multiple facets of the Enneagram. So you can see how it applies to your conflict style, into your marriage, into your parenting style, into, um, just how your orientation to time, whether you kind of think about the future, the present or the past. And Mm. so, and also how you go about getting your needs met of, do you become assertive to get your needs met? Are you more kind of compliant with and checking in with others or do you withdraw to kind of get your own needs met? There is so much you can learn about the Enneagram. And the biggest thing it will give you is these aha moments of, Oh, Now I have words to describe how I've always thought or viewed the world, but I just thought that was how I thought or viewed the world. And now I understand that there actually is kind of this amazing system of nine different ways to view the world. And we all fall into one of those nine ways. And once you learn how to describe how you see the world, and then you get to almost see how, try on the lens of how other people see the world then that is where it increases your compassion, decreases your frustration and improves your relationships. Oh, yes. Love that so much. And totally agree. Like when I learned I was an Enneagram 8, I was like, aha, that makes so much sense looking back at my life. So definitely. And um, they just need to reach out to you on Instagram to book that uh, free session or just uh, hop on your website and do like a contact box information. Exactly. Instagram's amazing. She has so many insights, just, you know, not only about the Enneagram, but just about life in general, Emily. You are just a wise, wise woman. And I just always love your perspective on things and um, Enneagram, Enneagram and beyond. So thank you so much for coming on today. This has been so helpful, so enlightening. And yes, just thank you for coming on. Oh, thank you. It was wonderful. That was such a fun episode, and I know I learned so much about how to survive the holidays this upcoming year, and I am actually going to go and write down those three important things, or what I think are three important things that should happen at the holidays, and then cross out too. So I'm hoping you do the same. Again, you can find all the show notes for this episode at our sponsored blog, badtothebull.com forward slash six. And you'll also find links on how to schedule that free 20-minute session with Emily to learn more about your Enneagram number. 